Welcome to Shaping Healthcare, a podcast by Sidious Tech. Some of the great minds in the world are constantly striving to solve the healthcare industry's greatest challenges with technology, creativity, and agility. With every episode of the Shaping Healthcare podcast, we will take you deeper into the world of healthcare and life sciences and give you a perspective into what it takes to build a human-first, technologically-enabled healthcare world. I'm your host, Laurel Rockle. Joining us today is Santosh Patil, the esteemed Senior Vice President and Technology Leader at Sidious Tech. With an impressive tenure of over 17 years at the company, Santosh has been a pivotal figure in steering numerous digital transformation projects and significantly contributing to Sidious Tech's vision of driving innovation and business transformation in the healthcare and life sciences sector. Santosh, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks a lot, Laurel, and good to see you and good to meet you as well. Very nice to meet you. Looking forward to our conversation today. And whoever it is that I'm talking to in whatever field that they're in, I'm always very curious about how they got to the field that they're in. So what brought you into healthcare and specifically healthcare technology? Interesting question. So this goes back to 17 years when I joined City Estate. I was moving between the jobs and I moved out of retail business. I mean, I was with a company which was doing a product development for retail domain. And then I got into city estate. You know, the kind of vision, the kind of work I saw here, give or take at the end of the day, while we are working on a systems which would be used to help providers to save a patient, in a way, we are contributing our bit to save a patient. That really moved me. And I found that something is worth being in an industry. You know, while you could be in any industry, be it fintech or retail or banking or anywhere, but this is the industry where you make a difference to someone's life. And a lot of examples I saw over a period of time where our team, whoever, whatever has developed, has been used to save some of the other life. You know, that really got me continued with this journey as well. So yes, that was the first thing which got me into healthcare and over a period of time, I saw that it's really meaning something when you're working in a healthcare industry. Absolutely. What a great answer. And I feel like that is a very common theme for anybody who has gotten into healthcare, any sort of health-based fields, that drive for helping humans, helping another person and being able to see that difference that they can make is that whole, <laughs> that anchor to that feels that makes perfect sense. And when it comes to the technology piece of it, what brought you into the technology portion of things? Well, right from the beginning, I was techie individual, driven by what we can do using technology to make a difference in uh, day-to-day life. So I come with a computer application background. So I did my post-graduation in computer application. And that's how I got into computer technology. When I got into a city estate, we started working with different healthcare applications. While some of them were patient care, patient monitoring, some of the EMR, EHR solutions, that really gave us a perspective about how providers look at patients, how do they take care of patients using these apps and what our technology can mean to them. You know, reduces even 10 minutes for a physician to provide a better care to a patient 
over a period of entire day he could see maybe you know three to four more patients there you go you know so you can see that you are reducing a queue you are making sure the patients are being treated well in time so in a way we are helping providers so that really is something day by day technology has advanced and uh, we saw that uh, latest tech stack has really helped in achieving what provider wants to achieve and we are just enablers it's beautiful yeah that's fantastic and as technology grows we need different technological solutions for different fields and healthcare is well i mean we've seen the last few years how how important healthcare really is for humanity really and so that's a great segue then because our theme of our episode today and what's something that we really want to center our conversation around is embracing technology and technological solutions to navigate these complexities in the healthcare industry and so first off then you know how is technology you know specifically ai data analytics how are they driving innovation and adaptation within healthcare organizations and transforming the way that they deliver and manage these healthcare systems so great question you know so before i get into ai and data analytics i would probably throw some numbers in terms of what has really happened over the years in the last 3 to 4 years if you look at it adoption of healthcare specific apps or devices i mean iot devices you know these these could be your health tracking bands or wrist watches or smart bands or smart watches that adoption has gone up like anything in 2022 alone we saw 20 million plus users got hooked with these devices wearable and app grew almost 21% in last one year itself now if you look at the way the data is being collected by these devices a lot of data is generated your heart rate your you know pulse rate or some of the apps can also look at your sugar level and what not your sleep pattern and then if you are adding a data properly in a app something like what you are eating how much you are eating on a day to day basis a data coupled with that is real data which makes a lot of difference if you look at it over a period of time and that allows you to track hey, how's your overall daily schedule what you are eating how you are eating and that just gives you amazing insight about yourself because what they say is hey, you become what you eat so so this data really helps you now this personal health tracking devices today they are trackers if you look at it each and every application be it a device or app it allows you to track it i feel tomorrow these devices and apps would become more smarter and they would become coaches rather than just a tracking devices that will help us early detection and precision medicine for better care and the healthcare industry itself generates a profound amount of data every day and this can be used to bring insight effectively improve the quality of the patient care itself and as i said the monitoring tracking devices would become a coach a kind of health coach which would say you know what the last 3 days you haven't slept well i recommend you take power nap for 30 minutes and there you go you know that a small nudges makes a lot of difference when it comes to your personal health so that's how it will evolve now talking about ai and data analytics you know all the data which is coming from these variable devices or apps 
Now you couple with the provider-specific apps which are being used either inpatient or outpatient setting. Providers would be able to help and manage patient health records, forecast operating room demands. Now you talk about any hospital, the biggest challenge is hey, how do I optimize the operating room? How do I optimize the staff? And how do I reduce the 30-day hospital readmission? So once I'm released from a hospital, if the patient comes back within 30 days, it carries two points. You know, one is of course he's not been treated completely. That's why he had to readmit. And second, the revenue on such a patients would be very low. So how do I prevent and make sure that 30-day hospital readmission is is reduced? Predict no show. So if if the appointments are already booked, how do I predict by looking at patients' past history as well as the latest symptom, whether he will show or he will not show, manage supply chain cost, you know, so all the consumable equipments which are required in a hospital, how do I reduce a cost by looking at the past records, by looking at the data I have and applying these AI algorithms. At the same time, enhance security and prevent fraud, frauds and reduce medical errors. These are the top, I think, use cases what healthcare service providers would apply using AI and data analytics, which is there now with us as a data. Yeah, actually, I spent about 13 years in sort of the healthcare field, the big umbrella of healthcare. I was a personal trainer. I was a health coach, nutrition coach. And a lot of my clients did have a lot of wearables, and they really enjoyed that and appreciated those. And when I left the field a few years ago, that was kind of the start of where things were going of being able to say, hey, look, we can get a long period of data as opposed to just these, I like to call it like snapshot data, you know, things that you're looking at just in these moments. Whereas if you look at it over time, you can get more information, of course. And I know that was a very exciting, emerging <laughs> new technology and a new way of using tech in my portion of healthcare that I was involved in. I think it's really exciting and shows a lot of promise there and how that can like you know be like that daily reminder for people as in their lifestyle. So I feel like we're a little bit at this tipping point in healthcare in regards to that, where the technology can be driven by generative AI, telemedicine, tech-based solutions. How ready are we for something like that to have that? Well, if you look at the end consumer, which is the patient, as you mentioned, even your clients were using tracking devices and all. So as far as the end customer or end consumer is ready, the adopters, the service providers has to be ready. You know, today you cannot neglect the data coming from wearable device. And if patient wants to treat that as an incoming data, you cannot say no. Because, you know, the accuracy of these devices has gone above 90%. So you can really rely on the data coming out of these devices and you can look at the diagnosis based on that. Of course, you can do certain readings again because you would be using more accurate devices at hospital or in a clinic setting. But at the end of the day, if you have to do a continuous monitoring, there's no other way rather than using such a tracking devices and adoption of such a devices. So, if we are not going to be ready, that would be a troublesome scenario for the providers who are saying that they are not ready. It's just like chat GPT. Who thought one day, I mean, we are talking about 
AI algorithm and apps taking over and they predicting certain things on their own for almost a decade now. But one fine day, Chat GPT came and it simply took over, right? I mean, it became a talk of the town. So if you're not ready, then, you know, things would be different. But if it is going to help anyway, help anyone's help, we have to adopt, you know. Of course, there are certain guardrails which are required. For example, if you're doing readings in a clinical setup or a hospital setup, you always know hey, whom to hold accountable and responsible when things are going wrong. In case of such a devices, today, even US law says that hey, if something which is being created by machines, you cannot give even patent to that machine. I'm just talking about generative AI. You know, if something is generated by AI algorithm, you really cannot award a patent to that creation. But what if it has to do with personal care, a treatment plan? Then today, maybe we are not ready to accept the treatment plan as is provided by AI algorithms. But hey, it's, it's, it's more of a suggestive plan right from working from scratch on a care plan from provider's angle at least provider can look at maybe two different algorithms and what the care plan is coming out, review it, modify it if required. Maybe 20-30% they have to rework on it, but not necessarily their entire time, 100% of the time is gone in creating the care plan. So, you know, it would be more of an assisting role of AI as of now. I see it in a healthcare rather than completely being a controlled and giving you output, hey, this is what you follow. I feel like that sometimes for you know, a layperson, I'm not in technology creation or anything like that. So as somebody outside of that, as that general population, that layperson, I feel like I hear a lot of people being a little resistant to it because there's that thought of takeover of technology. I feel like that is that <laughs> maybe that fear there. And there's some people that are very excited about it and excited about the future with it. And so I think why might people be reluctant to adopt AI or more futuristic technology? Futuristic. <laughs> Air quotes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The future is here, by the way. But yeah, you're exactly. right. You know, so why there is a reluctance in 100% adoption. As I said, you know, healthcare is very complex. And at the same time, it's very highly regulated industry as well. So there are laws, there are lawsuits around it if anything goes wrong in terms of care. Now, it will take certain time to even 100% accept what machine or algorithm might have told you. Because see, it's, it's AI algorithms are smart enough to analyze your medical images as well, be it your MR, CT scan. They can do their own analysis. They can come up with their own interpretation. Now, algorithms would be very specific to either tumor detection or it could be heart anomaly, you know, finding problem with certain veins and so on or a brain functionality and so on by looking at thousands of patterns what algorithms might have seen. But see, there are fundamentally two problems. One is every algorithm is trained and it is trained based on available data. Healthcare being a closed and very privacy-oriented industry, the data is not available as in an open market or an open field 
for all the patients. That's one. So you have a limited set of data using which the algorithm would be trained. Now, if that data set is limited, your learning would be limited. It's like this, you know, you're trying to be a doctor and number of more cases you would see, the complexity of the cases you would see, you would become a better doctor. But if you are looking at general history, whatever hospital has, and you did not see complex enough cases, then you may not be able to interpret any complex case coming on your way. So algorithms predict exactly in the same way. So the data is the limitation and getting a data in a healthcare world is bounded with a very privacy. There are laws a patient has to give a consent to release the information, what sort of information, to what extent you want to release it and so on. So ultimately it depends on learning of the algorithm. And second, of course, if the input is wrong, if the learning is wrong, your interpretation of the case may be wrong. So it may not be accurate and it may cost someone's life. So that's the problem of adoption of such a future tech in healthcare as of now. But I think in a way I see is at least acceptance of such a tech in an assistant capacity is definitely there. I hope that answers the question. Yeah, no, it's a great answer. It, it made me very curious. How do you get around or get over that hurdle of not having that information for the algorithm to learn from? Like, I guess, how do we foresee that being able to learn if that information is not, and rightfully so, I guess, you know, we need the security of our personal and health information, but how does that happen then, I guess? It's just a, <laughs> a curious question. I was like, oh, I'm very curious about that. I think the way it will move the needle is you will see algorithms which are very specific in a specialized area. For example, looking at pneumonia cases. So all chest x-rays, if you look at adults, then a pneumonia condition for a kids would be slightly different. When you see a lung scan in terms of x-ray, what patches, where you see, how pattern you see, the algorithm would determine whether this should be the priority case or not. Now just imagine someone is really at the level three for a pneumonia and someone is at a level one at the pneumonia. If everyone has to go through queue first in first serve mode, then maybe the level three patient would get treatment later on and which may result in an equal situation for the patient. But what if the algorithm can detect, hey, this seems to be a you know, slightly severe case and prioritize the case as, as a top case or, or put it in a priority queue. At least, you know, that sort of assistance would help at least prioritizing the required patients in a right queue. And then the patient would get help in time. So very specific to certain condition, very specific to certain area. The algorithms would excel. But as you said, you know, how to get the data, vast amount of data, that's going to be a challenge. That's why, you know, algorithms have to focus on very specific area, looking at their niche part. Hey, I'm going to look at this much. So, you know, from a security, from a data perspective, I'm limited to this much region only. And that is in a way possible rather than completely providing patients the entire history to algorithm and you don't know what. 
Right. Okay. Thank you. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Thank you for that because that's very interesting. And then incrementally building its knowledge from that. Interesting. Yeah. And so a couple of times you've mentioned its ability to be used in an assistive way, an assistant capacity. From the front desk, you know, at reception, the first person you see when you walk into a doctor's office or a hospital, to the surgeon, to human resources, to the nurses, and all these different departments of healthcare and facility and organization. How has that changed the job landscape for people? Well, certain administrative kind of work, for example, hey, when you're visiting clinic or a hospital, the first thing you would do is registration. Then you would enter details for your insurance. And the third thing you do is whether the visit I have, I have come for, is it covered in my insurance or not? And up to what extent it is covered, how, what would be my copay and what would be the charges I will end up paying for this visit today? So at least these four or five questions, you know, you just take it aside. These have nothing to do with, you know, your health. This has nothing to do with what doctor is going to talk about or what diagnosis, what test you would undergo. Now, these can be taken care by generative AI or kind of tools, smart tools or algorithms where they can talk about, hey, you know what, you are in this stage, this is your plan. This is what from the repository of hundreds of plan payer has given you. This is your plan and this is what it covers. So in a descriptive way, it can talk about hey, what will be covered, what will not be covered. And you really don't need a human interface for that or a human intervention for that. Just think about having profile such either talking robots or uh, machines where you are entering all the details, providing your form and if you have any questions, you're asking those questions, you're getting these answers, saying that, hey, this would be covered, this is not covered, this would be your copay. And I'm basic questions, how are you feeling today? Have you taken your vitals today? Let me help you with that. Why don't you put or keep your wrist here? And then, boom, you know, all these basic things would be taken by the machine. So a lot of administrative work would be reduced and the accuracy would go up. Because it's, it's coming again from your plans validity, from payers front, your vitals, maybe you're wearing a trackable device and tracker device. And those are kind of easily connectable to the machine and all the data is gone to the machine. You don't even have to enter, hey, watch my pulse, watch my weight. Everything is going from your app to the machine. Of course, you have to give a consent. But you're reducing the time. The individual today at the reception uh, would reduce a lot of time to do all these data entry activities. Those would go away in in future, or I would say near future. And then, of course, you know, provider, doctors, assistant, that that will remain. And a lot of AI algorithms would do assistant roles. As somebody who worked in a doctor's office and had a variety of roles, and a lot of it was sort of those sort of busy work, if you will, you know, those admin things <laughs> that took a lot of time. And that sounds like that's going to free up people to really focus on healthcare and the people and their patients, and which is really nice. You know, taking some of those things off somebody's plate to to allow them to focus on, as you mentioned at the top of the show, why you got into the field to begin with, to take care of people. So that's good. Very nice. And with, I guess, you know, since we're talking about embracing AI and 
advanced tech and healthcare, maybe administration within a hospital? How can they help those that work there to embrace that and and understand, hey, this is going to make your job easier and it's not taking anything away from you or taking a job away from you? Oh, definitely. You know, so if you look at industrial evolution, when first machine arrived, you know, people thought that machines will take jobs away, but you know, it was then machine operators in the job. That was a new line of work. Similarly, there would be new line of work. We all might have to get reskilled. That doesn't mean that the jobs would be taken away, but it's just that we all have to reskill ourselves to live with a new reality. I mean, just think about when we got smartphones. All of us were forced to learn how to use smartphone, right? Now you don't have to push it as an agenda. I mean, that people learn it. You know, new model comes in, new feature comes in, and people are willing to learn it on their own. So I think that's how even the things would get adopted. People will understand that, hey, this is a new way of working, new way of looking at business, and they will reskill it, you know, because that would be the need of the AR. Again, yeah, it's that understanding how much easier somebody's job is going to be. I think that also helps people is that maybe alleviate some of that fear or that apprehension. But again, as somebody who's worked in the healthcare fields in various aspects in different ways, that sounds great. (laughs) (laughs) Having a little help sounds great. And when it comes to implementing this technology across the organization, what are some primary challenges that are commonly faced that you can highlight for us? Sure. You know, as I said, inaccuracy and inefficient training data, because AI is all about learning from what data I have or what data, you know, organization I have. If I have inaccuracy in the data itself, my algorithm would learn it incorrectly and start predicting incorrectly. So that's something, you know, this is biggest challenge everyone has to overcome. Also, there is a concern about how do I protect overall data? Because if I'm exposing data to algorithms, in what way, in what context, it will start saving data and start predicting. Also, if there is a bias in algorithms, so for example, if uh, I'm sharing, let's say, all the data of cancer patients to one of the algorithms, it will start looking at records and assume that 80% of the cases which comes are cancer patients. That bias, it will start looking at images or clinical data and so on. So if there is a bias in the algorithm, it may impact your decision-making, algorithm's decision-making capacity. So if certain things have to be, as I said, creating a priority queue or suggesting a line of treatment, which would be different than the traditional one, then someone has to really look at while accepting the findings as is coming from algorithms. So those would be the typical challenges while these texts would getting accepted and adopted in different organizations across. And one has to effectively address them by looking at data and again, looking at the results helper way rather than accepting as a strong decision. Still using the human to interpret and analyze the data that's coming out. Exactly. You would need anyway, experts, specialists, physicians, doctors to understand the report, to understand, interpret what has come out of the algorithm, whether it is in line with what overall 
observations you have seen as a human because that's what even doctor would have done. It's funny. I'm thinking like technology and humans. How can technology humanize that healthcare experience for a patient? Let me share one example. You know, so this very interesting point you brought up, humanizing healthcare experience. So I know a friend of mine who visited a specialist and he was undergoing certain treatment and he met a physician or an expert who was known in a certain part of India, but, you know, who could not give more than 10 minutes because he was very busy doctor. The moment patient arrived, he looked at all the data and he hardly allowed him to ask any question or give any suggestion or anything. And then after meeting the physician, my friend was into mind whether he's the right guy to go for a next visit or a treatment or not. So he went to another physician who probably gave him half an hour as if made him feel that, hey, I'm there for you. If you have any doubts in your mind about the treatment, any questions in your mind, feel free to ask me. You know, I have blocked half an hour for you. Well, our discussion is done in 15 minutes. I'm not asking you to go. Sit, relax, take your time. You have any questions in your mind, you ask me. I'm happy to answer 10 times if you have still same question in your mind. So that gives give him a confidence that confidence that hey, this is the doctor I should be visiting. The doctor who has a time for me, who would understand me. And, and that's a very important point you raised. Whether who is humanizing the overall uh, treatment. Now, if you're not treating your patients as human and trying to connect with them, don't just look at it as a visit. Hey, this is a visit I need to get over with and I have 10 other visits to complete in a day. Then you will not be able to connect with your patient. And it's very important because medicine and a line of treatment will work up to a certain level. The confidence building in a patient's mind is also important. So you're right, you know, the tech has to be also evolved in a way that they get a humanized experience and you can see that with the generative ai today if you find a certain question you i mean one of my friend was telling me that he tried finding answer he got a huge complex answer and he just repeated the question that hey this is a question from fifth grade son and the answer he saw was completely different it was in a normal, simple words, trying to explain the concept and so on. So tech is also adopting, you know, trying to be at a level where patient is or trying to be at a level where humans are or their understanding is. So, you know, I think it's, it's going to play a very important role that maybe in future, not only by looking at patients' age or gender, they will also look at hey, what's a maturity, what trauma they have gone through and based on that the response might change so you're right you know tech has to adopt to these things otherwise it will be very difficult for acceptance of such a tech in a, in a healthcare industry wow that was a beautiful example <laughs> <laughs> thank you yeah and you hear that a lot as the the doctor who doesn't have time or even ex have experienced it yourself the doctor who is trying to just stay on top of their workload and get through the visits feels different than the one that sits and spends time and answers the questions. And, and it feels so much different and, and builds that confidence, and which I think is good in so many ways. But especially, yeah, in medicine and healthcare, when some people are already maybe a little 
apprehensive to go or don't really like the doctor's visit, but so important. And also sounds like AI being able to free up some of those extra tasks to allow doctors and nurses to be able to spend that time and have those interactions with their patients, which is so important. Absolutely. And considering the implementation of Gen AI in the payer market, what are a few really important considerations that healthcare organizations really can't afford to overlook as they try to adopt this technology for themselves? Sure. So I'll split this question in two parts. First, let's see what Gen AI has done it in the payer market. You know, so today Gen AI can automatically and immediately summarize data on the volume, being a time people to address more complex needs. If you look at in a payer world, many members inquire related to benefit, which requires insurance specialists to manually confirm the scope of members' plan. With Gen AI, you know with digital resources and call center specialists can quickly look at all the relevant information across dozens of plans provided by payer and resolution of a claim denials or another time-consuming process that often consumes a lot of time and members' dissatisfaction can be speed up and improved through GenAI. GenAI today can summarize the denial letters, consolidate denial codes, highlight relevant denial reasons, or contextualize the next step, or even look at hospital's corporate function, back office function, or administrative function. Such things can be really speed up using GNAI, and that has really happened in payer market. Now, if you, while working with this, which you cannot overlook something copyright issues, as I said, uh, US Copyright Office never accept something which is created by non-humans as as a you know even eligible for a copyright now if something is written or coming up as a letter from the payer perspective to even decline the claim or even accepting the claim or giving any description about or details about rejection that has to be authored or that has to be signatory by humans otherwise it will not be accepted by law so that's something, you know, you cannot overload. And again, while you're using these texts as a assistant mode, inherent bias in that would create a problem because models can be biased, which leads to inaccuracy or unfair result. And this could be a concern when it comes to training the models based on the data because data would be limited and data could be biased itself. The last piece and very important is security. Generative AI can be vulnerable of hacking or other security threats. As they look into data, you know, data may get leaked up. They may have certain location where for their internal consumption purpose or further analytical purpose, they are storing the data. And if that data gets hacked, then, you know, you have no way of controlling it. So these are the primary factors which you really need to focus while adopting these technologies, you really cannot overlook these these facts. What are some safeguards that could be in place for those things? So as I said, one, have a very specific role for AI, very limited scope for AI algorithms, which would have a very limited set of data used by them. 
how we can de-identify or anonymize data before sharing the data with algorithms. So the risk is very less when it comes to de-identified data. You will not be able to identify back to a person or you will not be able to link it to any person. Right? It would be completely clinical data. It cannot be connected to any individual person. If you're doing that, it would give you one safeguard. So that's something you have to do it. And again, while it is coming out as a result, accept it as a assistant mode rather than final decision. You know, so as long as you're doing that, you're good because then you have a control of hey, what is coming out. Maybe it is helping me to speed up without using of generative AI. If I could process, let's say, five hundred letters in a day with the help of tech, it could go to eight hundred. But at the end of the day, I have to at least look at those eight hundred letters and thrive them to take it to a next level. I would suggest these smaller steps, which would help us adoption of such a technologies in a meaningful way, rather than getting into controversy and trouble. Very important. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Santosh, what are you most excited about in future, maybe immediate future for AI and this emerging technology for healthcare? Honestly, generative AI is going to be talk of the town at least for a year, a year and a half. I feel like a lot of use cases would come out. What I'm excited is how do we get this data on cloud, apply analytics on the data which is available. Healthcare is pretty complex and it generates tons of data on a day-to-day basis. How do we use it in a meaningful way to, again, make sure that we do a better care and better treatment to a patient using this data, using this tech. So that really excites me. Anything on that front, I always try and get involved either in that initiative or try and read up on that, how it can help me stay ahead of the curve or understand what's new happening in this domain itself. Yes, exciting stuff for the future. And to wrap things up, personally, I'm always interested in who is inspiring our leaders? So who is inspiring you? Who would you love to maybe you know have lunch with and pick their brain kind of thing and talk, have that great <laughs> conversation with over lunch? <laughs> I just saw news about individuals who got Nobel Prize for the RMNA and analysis they did for COVID-19. So, you know, amazing the amount of pressure they had, the amount of research they did in such a short time and they could come up with a vaccine analysis of COVID-19 and the virus and it's a pattern. I would love to be with such a guys on a lunch date to understand what motivates them, you know, because it's like what they have done has really changed history. I would say it made a history. If they would have not done in time, probably, you know, we would, half the world would be still in lockdown. We would have not come out of it. The fear, look at the way uh, kids got educated in those two years, the way patients got treated, the way people were separated from each other. So I would love to be hearing from them what really kept them going while things were so difficult and different in those two years. Perfect answer. (laughs) (laughs) And yes, I would agree. That would be absolutely fascinating and to hear those motivators and what kept them going because that was something and 
That was perfect. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> and thank you so much for your time today. It's been such a pleasure to talk with you and learn from you. We hope that's been very educational for all of our listeners as well. Thanks a lot for having me on your show as well. Yeah, this was really nice talking to you. The Shaping Healthcare Podcast is brought to you by Sidious Tech, a leader in healthcare consulting and IT services. To find out more about Sidious Tech, visit SidiousTech.com. To listen to more interesting insights on healthcare technology and innovations, search and subscribe to the Shaping Healthcare Podcast. Thank you for listening. If you want to share any feedback or would like to be featured in our podcast, do write to us at SidiousVision at SidiousTech.com.